Welcome to MIT Supply Chain Frontiers from the MIT Center for Transportation and Logistics. Each episode features center researchers and staff who welcome experts from the field for in-depth conversations about business, education, and beyond. On today's episode, research scientists Alexis Bateman and Inma Barea speak with Mark Backer, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Global Operations at Hewlett Packard Enterprise, about the skills and tools needed for sustained global supply chain management when facing disruptions. Take it away, Inma and Alexis. Today, we're really fortunate to have Mr. Mark Backer, Senior Vice President and General Manager of Global Operations for Hewlett Packard Enterprises. Thank you so much for joining us today and welcome. Thank you and uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening, maybe in some cases to everybody. It's my pleasure to be here. Yeah, so Mark, would you like to kick it off and introduce yourself and give a brief overview of HP? Uh, I lead global operations for Hewlett Packard Enterprise. Hewlett Packard Enterprise is a spin-off of the original Hewlett Packard company, uh, founded in 1939 by Bill Hewlett and Dave Packard, considered as the founding fathers uh, of Silicon Valley. Uh, about five years ago, almost six years ago, uh, the company went through a significant restructuring and separated itself in two pieces. Uh, one piece is HP, uh, still considered HP, which takes care of print and personal systems. Uh, and the other part, uh, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, uh, which is focused on the enterprise side of products, uh, server business, storage, data management, uh, networking equipment, and its associated services. That's the area where I work. Uh, and lead the global operations organization. Uh, global operations is a combination of what is considered customer operations, everything front end, taking care of order management activities, quoting, pricing, uh, and so on. And then there is what you could call classic supply chain activities, a part of global operations. Uh, and classic supply chain activities include planning, everything around planning. Planning is everything. We can talk more about that as we continue the dialogue, but fulfilling the product logistics, uh, engineering is included in that sourcing. And so true end-to-end -end supply chain activities fall under my uh, responsibility. We are here to support the business. We're here to support customers on the front end, the customer operations piece. We are here to support the business to be successful when they sell products, you know, we want to make sure that customers get their products, you know, delivered. Because the reality is, um, if you sell, but you do not deliver, the company doesn't make any revenue or doesn't make any profit off of it. Because the customer doesn't pay for something he doesn't receive. It's the most exciting part of the business. Because you are in the middle of everything and touching every part of a company. Um, from a front end, engaging with customers, to being involved in manufacturing, in sourcing, uh, supporting you know the PL performance of uh, of a business and so on. So, thank you, Mark. Thank you for the great introduction to HP and also for the passionate uh, defense of the supply chain management space, which I I could not agree more that supply chain is so relevant for for the business and how it connects everything and how it's so right. so interesting to work in that space so now let's let's dive into some questions so can you talk a little bit more about some uh, of those applications forecasting inventory management transportation management and how they impact the top and bottom line of your business i said planning is everything and uh, that truly is the case not to 
you know, to minimize, marginalize, you know, the importance of other domains or functional areas in a supply chain environment. But it starts with a plan and it's fairly simple. Demand, you know, enterprise environment, customers are thinking about what they're going to spend their money on or what investments are they going to make in the in the next year. What is very challenging in a supply chain environment is to know early enough what the demand is going to look like what are customers going to order from us and when you think about a tech product a whether it is a pc or a printer or you know in in our case a server there is a lot of components that go in there there is memory chips there is processors there's motherboards there is storage device hard disk drive or solid state drives and network cards you know all those things you know make up a product and you need to know how many of those parts you need where in your supply chain in your manufacturing network um, if you are wrong if you plan it wrongly so you do not have enough parts you get customer orders you know that you cannot fulfill within a certain period of time if you have too many parts at the end of a period you sit on inventory which has a value and that value sits on your balance sheet is a drag on your cash conversion cycle on your cash performance cash flow performance for the company which if you are a private company you may be able to handle it depending on you know your financial statements and how much cash you actually have available uh, but if you're a publicly traded company you know that can be uh, an influencer in the performance of your of your stock on the stock exchange. So two things. One is, you know, if you if you don't plan right, you you have two evils, which is one is, you know, your customers will not be happy with you because they place an order and you tell them, well, I can only service you five months from now. The other way around is, you know, I have too much stuff, your financial performance, you know, takes a hit. So planning, super important, and it goes into a lot of detail. So uh, data science, data management, analytics, etc., comes together with managing, you know, the physical world of parts and components, you know, in um, in an environment. So, uh, planning, forecasting, uh, hugely important in the value chain, um, you know, as such. This is great, and actually, uh, you highlighted one point that we always we repeat over and over and over during our courses that in supply chains you always have to these, make these decisions that are trade-offs right. between having too much and having too little, and just finding the right balance is very challenging, but it's also like a, the way to go. Uh, so thanks so much, Mark. I think that uh, you responded. And I think to one um, one important aspect of that as well is depending on you know the company, the product. There is sometimes this aspect of perishable. You know, perishable, you know, is a term, you know, which goes both ways. One is from a customer demand point of view, customer demand can be perishable. Think about government spend, you know, government spend has a budget for the year and typically they have to spend it before a certain date. And if they don't, that budget is gone because we've moved into the next year. That's how, you know, that demand might be perishable. So if you do not take the order, fulfill the order, it's gone. It will not come back. The flip side is, you know, from a material point of view or inventory point of view, uh, some some products, you know, or some parts, you know, they can perish as well. Depending on what the product set is and so on, those are things that become even even more important. Definitely. Thank you, Mark.
given that you are uh, running global supply chains and global operations, how have you seen COVID-19 and the disruptions uh, challenge and complicate global supply chain management and perhaps also how you've seen it um, drive innovation? Yeah, in recent years in, in particular, uh, supply chain disruptions, you know, have become more common. Even nowadays, you know, the White House in the United States, right, starts to talk about it. But supply chain disruptions, you know, are, yeah, they're significant. And I keep telling everybody they're becoming more, more frequently, and they're becoming bigger. I've been doing this for, you know, close to 20 years in the meantime. And over those years, I've seen various forms of disruptions with significant floods in, in Thailand, you know, that disrupted the hard disk um, drive manufacturing, earthquakes uh, resulting in tsunamis in Japan, I've seen volcano eruptions in Iceland that, you know, created an ash cloud over, you know, Western Europe, which disrupted, you know, air freight. And air freight is hugely important when you talk about logistics and transportation, right? They've seen many over the years, but most of the time, uh, those are isolated in one particular area. I mean, there's other examples of a factory, a, a factory uh, catching fire, you know, which reduces a significant amount of capacity uh, globally, but it's contained in one area. The difference with last year is that the pandemic, you know, affected everything and everybody almost at the same time. Nobody spared and uh, impacted from finished goods manufacturing facilities to component manufacturing facilities to logistics networks because of local authority um, restrictions on moving of people and goods, even to the point of if we would be able to find parts, build them and ship them, customers being closed because they shut down their offices um, and there's nobody to receive you know, anything. So. A good supply chain organization has a focus on business continuity planning and, you know, how do you react to disruptions and so on. But typically it's a reactive activity. You always review the latest event that happened and you adjust your plan accordingly. And say, what did we learn from this event and what do we need to adjust in our continuity planning? That's great, but you know, you never plan for the eventuality of the next, and we don't know what the next one is. We know something's coming. After the pandemic, there is a new disruption coming. Actually, the latest and the greatest already happened, which was the vessel that got stuck in the Suez Canal, you know, which disrupted, you know, about 10%, 15% of global trade. You know, we were also focused on pandemic related stuff. Did anybody think about, you know, what what, what are we going to do if, if a vessel gets stuck in the Suez Canal? I, I think it opened our eyes uh, to even more global disruption happening at the same time. Even CEOs and um, boards now think about supply chain disruptions and they talk about resiliency and agility. Are we resilient? I think many of us will say, yeah, we were resilient because you think of it, it took the world maybe one quarter. And after that, uh, we restarted uh, global supply chains fairly quickly. So we have a certain level of resiliency you know, built in. And I think considering the, the magnitude of the pandemic, we, we've proven that we are resilient, but are we resilient enough? Probably not because we want to be even faster. We don't want three months, four months, 
you know, before we feel that we have enough toilet paper, you know, on the shelves again, right? We want it to be a week, two weeks, or board members or CEOs want it to not happen at all. Now, that is more difficult. Resiliency, agility in the supply chain environment comes with a cost. You can duplicate your entire infrastructure, say, but then you have a lot of idle capacity, which has a lot of cost. You have a lot of inventory sitting in both places, which is very expensive. So there is this, this right balance to find, you know, in terms of I want to be resilient and agile. And agility is probably the more important aspect of this whole resiliency and disruption conversation, which means, you know, how fast can you switch? How fast can you react and resolve the problem? I think that's where we're learning a lot, you know, about the importance of data, the importance of systems, the importance of uh, visibility in your entire supply chain. What is happening where? Where are your uh, capacity constraints, your, your overcapacity? Where are your parts, your components? I think this is where, again, you know, supply chain becomes a fascinating space to work in the importance of IT, IT solutions, applications, et cetera, and the connection. Supply chain cannot function well without a proper architecture and a proper infrastructure of tools and systems and processes that provide the right level of visibility, which you then can use for multiple reasons to react to the agility piece, but also to be better in terms of the way you serve customers and so on. So I think we, we knew that already, but the whole pandemic situation only amplified, you know, the importance uh, of that. Yeah. Uh, one dimension that you mentioned was um, now that the supply chain has, you know, and the clearing of shelves and those physical manifestations of that disruption, it's escalated it to conversations that may not have existed before, such as at the C-suite level or, you know, in the White House. And of course, my dad finally knows what a supply chain is. So do you see that recognition of the criticality of supply chains changing the dynamic of the investment of resources to plan? Uh, absolutely. I think you know, the importance of supply chain or recognition for supply chain as a, a critical business process, if you want, increased substantially, increased, you know, during pandemic, but actually it started already before. There's, you know, several events that triggered, you know, reactions from, you know, CEOs and boards of companies, etc., which was more not, not so much pandemic related, but global trade and trade tension related. Uh, the introduction of import duties or tariffs on products manufactured in China created a significant wave of uh, reactions, you know, in particularly in the United States uh, companies, you know, headquartered in the United States, US companies, you know, they have a significant portion of their business, depending on the, the you know, the revenue they, they make in the United States for many, many years, enjoyed zero, zero import duty, zero tariffs, you know, on their products. All of a sudden, you know, it became 15 percent, 25 percent. And that's a huge impact, right? If you think of it, you know, all of a sudden you have 25 percent more cost. And if you don't plan for it and consumers that buy those products, not necessarily want to see prices go up by 25%, you know, because of it. 
So that created, you know, already a lot more interest, you know, in the whole concept of supply chain and other dimensions as well. But pandemic again amplified some of that. As the global operations lead, I report to the CEO. I'm a member of the executive leadership team of the company. Take it five years ago, 10 years ago, you know, the supply chain leader would probably be sitting in a level two, level three part of the organization doing more or less the same thing. But the impact in multiple areas has triggered the attention of of leadership teams and boards and so on. And like you said, including politics. Um, And it's about, you know, the impact on the financials of a company, but also other things have become more and more relevant. Uh, Social, environmental, corporate responsibility aspects, you know, become more and more important. We are seeing, you know, as one of those things is that corporate enterprise and, and even more so public sector, so government agencies are making some of those aspects part of their RFQ. So when they when they tender, you know, their business saying, I'm interested in buying a, a ton of equipment from, you know, somebody, but I want to know, is the product you're selling to me, you know, is there anything around conflict minerals or labor issues or, you know, what's your impact on the environment, the way you manufacture stuff or the way you transport stuff? You know, I want to understand and it becomes a criteria for decision making more and more. And because of that, you know, all of a sudden more people start paying attention to those things. Right. So definitely seen, you know, that happen over the the years I've been involved in this, that, yeah, it becomes more of a conversation in the boardroom. Mm-hmm. And again, like I said, the, the, the most recent you know, example of that is in the tech industry, there is a, another issue happening right now, which is the, the semiconductor shortage, right? Or the chips shortage you read about in the news due to significantly more demand or you know, recovery after pandemic happening faster than anybody anticipated, but also more uh, segments, sectors, you know, needing those chips. Automotive, uh, you know, cars nowadays, you know, have a lot more technology in them than uh, they used to maybe 10, 15, 20 years ago. Um, Smartphones, you know, keep growing. Uh, People working from home, studying from home, all need laptops, um, you know, and more so than than ever before. We have the, the switch from 4G to 5G. Uh, on smartphone, on uh, on telecom, which comes with IoT, right? Internet of Things. There's more devices that can connect and they can talk in, you know, through mobile networks. So more and more of those chips required. Now there is a shortage. Everybody is, you know, concerned about it. Automotive plants, you know, are down. They're not producing as many cars as they can. They have millions of backlog because they're missing a 25 cent part. That's it, right? A whole car cannot be finished because they're missing one 25 cent part. And so that has led to President Biden, you know, doing a a workshop with leaders from the tech industry to talk about how can we fix this problem? We need to invest in the United States because we need to reduce that dependency. So you see how, you know, supply chain as a concept, as as a practice becomes more and more relevant, more important, and enters you know, a whole range of new discussions. It's exciting. Um, living that shortage you know, is not so exciting, but <laughs> you know, like I said, you know, if it's not this one, it will be something else you know, in the years to come. So. 
Great, so uh, let's continue with uh, another question. And I think this one connects very well with something you mentioned earlier, Mark. All these eruptions we've seen in the past year and the other ones you mentioned, right? Uh, we've seen that that has driven innovation and also digital transformation in many companies. So could you share a little bit how has HP innovated and built more resilience uh, just through implementing more digital technologies? Yeah. Um super trendy uh, supply chain disruptions, resilience, agility, super trendy words, right? Digital transformation, also very trendy, uh, but, you know, very important. Um, actually, you know, from the company perspective, Hewlett Packard Enterprise, there is the two parts, right? The job I have, you know, that requires, you know, digital transformation and uh, a solid architecture and infrastructure to support that but the company sells you know solutions you know that that help do digital transformation for companies right so it's a top of mind you know for me from multiple aspects what have we done there's a lot of development in new systems and capabilities the backbone of any supply chain and operational environment is um, the erp system enterprise resource planning what you see typically is Companies over the years, you know, they, big companies, large enterprise companies, they go through growth, they acquire other companies, they, you know, they started off being, you know, a decentralized company, you know, and then they started centralizing and globalizing more, uh, resulting in, you know, having 10, 15, 20 different versions of ERP which, you know, if you're the supply chain guy is a nightmare because that means, you know, you have 20 different versions, you know, of data to look at. So what you want to do is try to get to one single instance of an ERP, but one single instance of an ERP in a global company that runs billions and billions of dollars in transactions through it is also a challenge because then you get into performance issues and, you know, and so on, right? So, uh, but a lot has happened. Uh, over the years with large companies like SAP and Oracle, you know, developing new state-of-the-art 2021-2022 style solutions there. So what we've done, as have others, you know, migrated our ERP system to the latest version. It, that's tricky because, as I said, it's the backbone of the company. And so, you know, it's like open-heart surgery you know, what you're doing because you're running your shop and you're trying to put something new in place. Uh, you still have lots of customers that place orders that need to be fulfilled and so on, right? So those are exciting things. So that's one. The other one is um, investments in the planning solutions, demand planning, uh, forecasting, and so on, investments there. But the most, I think the most impactful and you know, where there's a lot of development from a digital transformation and investments in IT infrastructure architecture is the capturing of data. The, the biggest challenge, you know, in a supply chain environment is that it's end-to-end, -end, right? You go from customer demand, which talks about a unit, a sales guy wants to talk dollars, uh, the manufacturing guy wants to talk units, the sourcing guy wants to talk parts. I don't care about how many end, you know, finished goods, you know, you're talking, I need to know how many hard drives, how many processors, you know, how many, how many network cards I need to go buy and which ones. The logistics guy doesn't care about that. He cares about kilos. He cares about pallets. He cares about containers, you know, ocean vessels, airplane ULDs, 
and uh, cost per kilogram, you know, an uplifting that stuff, right? So, so each of them have their own version unit of measure and each of them will generate tons of data. And uh, if you then have, you know, my logistics data in one database with those units of measures and I have my planning database and my manufacturing database, how do I take all that stuff and aggregate it and make some sense out of it from an end-to-end, left-to-right perspective, right? That's where there's a lot of opportunity, a lot of investment as well. Visibility is hugely important and huge investments, creating networks whereby you hook up suppliers and logistics providers and manufacturing partners, et cetera, you hook them up into a network where all the data comes together. And then you put this layer of data analytics, data science. Um, and now we go into the artificial intelligence, machine learning uh, that can help a ton. That's the next evolution. Uh, if you think about digital transformation, we're investing in uh, from a demand planning forecasting point of view is that, you know, we have a lot of historical data. What algorithms can we develop that will help us to be more accurate uh, in our forecasting? Thanks, Mark. Yeah, I think like digital transformation is a huge challenge and anyone that is like uh, trying to make it happen in their company know that it is. Yep, that's right. Yeah, I thought that was really fascinating. Just kind of putting in sort of those, you know, sort of that singular objective of each of those roles, right? That they need to get their job done, but really to make supply chain effective, you have to look across all those functions and put them together. So you touched on it a little bit earlier, but something near and dear to to my heart and, and many is the shift to sustainability and supply chain. We've seen clearly there's there's a push for sustainability def, you know, broadly in, in business, but the, the centralization and strategicness of, of supply chain, owning sustainability, driving it across the value chain. Can you can you talk a little bit about how you, you've seen that and, and what do you think it means for you know some of the professionals we have on the line? Sustainability again has you know different aspects. You know, there is a social you know aspect to it, there's an environmental aspect to it. You know, I engage with a fair amount of peers of mine, you know, practitioners in different companies, even different industries. And everybody, it's just simply, you know, everybody realizes like us in, you know, in our daily lives, we've become a lot more conscious about, you know, the impact we all have on planet and uh, the role we can and need to play. And there is, you know, one big truth, which is in the supply chain environment, supply chain has a huge impact you know, logistics, manufacturing, right? Depending on what you manufacture, how you manufacture and any kind of emissions, you know, that are there, you know, have an impact. Logistics, CO2 emissions, you know, it's simply, you know, no denying that doing those things, you know, has an has CO2 emissions are there, which is bad for, you know, the environment. And we need to be conscious about it. So it's just simply the right thing to do to focus on it. Secondly, as we all as consumers, as human beings, you know, become more sensitive to this, we are also human beings that have a professional life. We work in companies. We are people that become decision makers in these companies. And as we become more sensitized and conscious about, you know, the impact, we build that into the decision-making process of what we buy. That finds itself into procurement departments in companies and when they, when you then run a business, there's the two aspects. You want to do what's right. Uh, and secondly, your customers are asking for it. 
So it becomes an imperative by design um, to to focus on and to do the right thing. That's mostly, you know, the most sensitivity is is around the environmental stuff. But for us, you know, in the larger HP company and Hewlett Packard Enterprise now, for many years, we've also been very concerned about labor conditions. Um, we set up together with our tech partners, um, you know, in the industry, think about Apple and, and so on, set up huge factories in China uh, where all these products are being manufactured. Millions of people work in there. The conditions in some of these are manufacturing places that have 250, 500,000 people that live in the factory dorm. Uh, and so those conditions, you know, have been a focus for us in the tech industry for sure, because it's just the right thing to do. Similar, you know, when you go into tech, some of the components or raw material required to build components where they come from, it's at mining. And so what are the conditions, you know, in mining? Are we sending little kids into mines? You know, the conflict mineral story in Africa, you know, those are things that are hugely important, you know, and it's hard because it goes deep into up, you know, upstream into your supply chain, right? It goes from raw material building this stuff and how do you control all those things? And, you know, um, again, you know, it's just the right thing to do. We need to keep working it. Is it perfect? I don't think it's perfect, right? I mean, there's stuff happening every day, all day in certain places from a, you know, people impact perspective in communities around the world, um, from an environmental perspective, it's a challenge, right? Because we all want stuff, you know, to be built and we want it cheap and we want it fast and, you know, then it's easy to cut corners, but it has an impact and we need to be conscious about it and we need to find ways, all of us together on how we solve that problem. Yeah, that was that was really well said, really interesting. I think the social side is 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 critical to our supply chains and is sort of a hidden issue that people really don't understand about some of the, the conditions that are deep in supply chains that are at the raw material phase of, of mining and, and production. And um, I think it was just really great to kind of look at the big picture is, of sustainability that it's all encompassing. And yeah. and and there is this aspect of um, cost that comes into play. You know, one big problem where probably many of us are aware of is the amount of plastic in ocean, right? Huge opportunity that provides a huge source of material um, to collect it, right? To, to, to melt it and to reuse it as resin, you know, becoming plastics, you know, for products and so on. But it's cheaper, you know, to pump oil out of the ground, you know, make resin, you know, virgin resin as they call it, you know, and use that. It's cheaper than to go out into the ocean, collect all this stuff. Then you need to melt it. You need to clean it because it's not, you know, virgin. So colors, you know, things like that. You know, we've had this big debate in the company, uh, in our printing division about, you know, building white printers. And, you know, you take virgin plastic, you can make it as white as white can be. You use recycled plastic, getting it white as white can be is practically impossible because there's contamination in it, you know, one way or another. And the amount of time you would have to clean it and filter it and so on is just not practical, not possible even. But then the question becomes as consumers, right? How important is it that that printer is white as white can be, or is it okay if it's a little bit less white? 
or is it okay you know to pay five dollars more so that we can collectively you know go out collect all these bottles you know plastic you know from the ocean etc recycle it and so on uh, and those are you know the really fundamental societal questions you know that we we, we struggle with because many of us as consumers if you're not involved in it you just don't know you know some of these practicalities of it or the differences right yeah absolutely a great way to frame it uh Emma, do you want to grab some questions to start with so we can yes. get a few questions before we end so um let's start with this one so what is one of the skills you consider most valuable for someone working in the supply chain i think there, there's multiple skills that i think are important um Nowadays, no matter what domain, whether it is planning or transportation or logistics or manufacturing, engineering, etc., I think the um, you know most important skill is uh, you know almost like curiosity, focus on innovation. There's innovation you know possible in each and every one of these areas. Innovation you know with a customer mindset, right? Um, focused on what will help our customers be more successful innovation in you know in process improvement analytics you know we talked about data the abundance of available data and using that data to your advantage a technical stuff like i said you know even if you're an engineer working in a supply chain environment engineering products you know need to be introduced into a manufacturing environment yeah depending on which domain there is plenty of interesting skills required and uh, and, and apply okay so data literacy and like skills, innovation and customer centric would be like yeah. three of the pillars. And then Absolutely. of course, beyond that, like uh, many other skills. Thanks, Mark. Alexis, yeah. would you like to pick another one? Yeah, absolutely. So Darjat asks how resiliency was implemented in your supply chain during the pandemic and, and now into the, the new normal. So we, we did another round of uh, working with our manufacturing facilities and partners and suppliers on, you know, taking a look at their business continuity plans. We revisited uh, areas where we felt, you know, we might be single sourced. Um, we looked at, you know, our system capabilities to transfer quickly from one location to another. Um, because sometimes, you know, people think that it's easy, you know, oh, just move manufacturing of product A to another location. But if you don't have your system set up, don't have your products set up in the system on what the bill of material is to go build, you know, that product, you know, you can move the material, but the line worker doesn't know what to do with that order because he doesn't see it in his system, right? So we looked at things like that. Uh, Relooked obviously again uh, at all the locations around the world where they are and are they more susceptible to disruptions uh, than, than than other places. There's more because, as I said, you know this has opened our eyes to a whole new concept of disruptions when it happens everywhere at the same time, as opposed to one single area, you know, that is affected. So more more than that can and needs to be done. So going back to the to the digital transformation discussion that we started earlier, what is the approach or your approach uh, to increase adherence to the new tools and processes that you're implementing? You talk about the challenge of like bringing everyone together in the new ERP system. So how are you actually like incentivizing people to to make this move? So there, there's two parts to it. One is, you know, when you go through those mega transformation activities, 
and you implement new systems, one of the important aspects of the process or the project itself is to switch off the old one. So, you know, you, you transition and you migrate over to the new one. And once you're done and everybody's on the new one, you switch off the other one so that nobody can go back because that would be a disaster. And the second one is the new systems, new ERPs, you know, they're, they're designed and developed in a way most of the time that they guide the process, right? So it's built on a business process or a business process is built on the systemic capabilities. In some cases, you know, these things become a lot more rigorous. So depending on what you do in the process, you, you sometimes don't even have a choice. And then it's change management with these big transformations management of change and you know helping people to migrate over change is hard we can talk for another hour about you know change management management of change how do you do these big projects right and and how do you get people to adopt and adapt to to change you know that's it's it's hard it's really hard because people are used to something and you know you give them something new or something different and in to migrate over is always a challenge some people are you know, more eager to do that kind of stuff. Some people are more conservative and say, you know, I just like the way things are today. Um, and you need to manage that very carefully. Absolutely. That's really helpful. So uh, supply chains need to be agile and, and people as well. And so That's learning right. and, and upgrading all the time. Um, any final words for, for our professionals, Mark, or, uh, and as we sign off? No, it was my pleasure to be here and uh, cover some of these fascinating uh, and interesting topics. Um, I enjoy talking about these things. Uh, I enjoy being a practitioner and, and uh, I hope it was helpful. We so Thank appreciate you. your time and yes, super fascinating for, for us and all those that were on the line. So uh, really, really thankful for your time and, and everyone have, have a great day. Have a great day and thanks for sharing your passion, Mark. Thank you. It really came through. All right, everyone. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this edition of MIT Supply Chain Frontiers. My name is Arthur Grau, Communications Officer for the Center. I invite you to visit us anytime at ctl.mit.edu or search for MIT Supply Chain Frontiers on your favorite listening platform. Until next time.